Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm your host, Caleb. And you can call me Harmonica. My name's Jaws Benton. We, we watched another Charles Bronson movie today, or for this week, and I'm very happy about that. I love it when Charles Bronson shows up and shoots the guys. Uh, so, so you mean every scene of this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh... How are you, Caleb? I'm doing well. Working, earning that cheddar. Mm-hmm. These are things it's white people well. call money. Yeah. That cash. Uh, I don't know. Just living that that low-key life. I feel you. Uh, unfortunately for me, I have a splitting headache, and I've had a splitting headache since 11 a.m. this morning. Why'd I say 11 a.m. this morning? This morning, or a.m., was... Unnecessary. Regardless, I've had a headache basically all day, uh, and during that time, I also watched Once Upon a Time in the West, so that might have some influence over how I feel about that movie. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. So, uh, what have you been up to? Well, Isle of Armor came out on Wednesday, so of course I played through that during work hours and uh, completed it, the at least the story portion, during work hours, so now I'm off-breeding Pokemon. I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, it's probably less than I was expecting, yeah. I guess. I don't know. It makes you raise the Pokemon that they give you like before you do the thing, Yeah, the story thing. Yeah. So I just like haven't done the story thing because I, I don't know. There's a, there's a way that you can train your Pokemon like for free, basically. Mm-hmm. By like sending them away to do work, and uh, I was just like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do that instead of like taking the time to train it myself." So I've been waiting two full days for that to fully train my Pokemon for me, so that I don't have to do it. Yeah, I uh, I just did EXP candy, and then that was it. I have I uh... did that too, but I I needed him to have the right EVs. I mean, there's a there's a new lady uh, in the Isle of Armor who lives off an island, like she's on an island out in the middle of nowhere, and she can reset all of your EVs for you, so you don't have to do the berry thing anymore. Uh, oh, so she exists, so you can always just do that. Uh, also, they they have hype a hyper training and b uh, uh, nature mints, which is just. Like, two of the best things that they've implemented ever in terms of, like, raising Pokemon for competitive play. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. The uh, the one thing that annoyed me is, like, there's also a patch for Pokemon Home that came out alongside it. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, all the new Pokemon that are allowed in the game with the, the DLC, uh, I moved all of them over into the game, but then, like, it didn't register them to my Pokedex, even though I moved them into my game. There's a second Pokedex. I know. Wait, I got what? it, and it and it didn't register the Pokemon into them. So I'm assuming that it's a bug and that there will be a patch or something. Oh, yikes. Oh, yowza, bowza, bobowza, wowza, man. Wowza, wowza, bobowza. Lick, lick, lick my balls. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. Now that Magirnia is, uh, or Magirna or whatever, is uh, further away for you. They have this current. This they have this event going on right now, where if you if uh, we we trainers defeat uh, Zoroa or something like that, I don't know what the fuck it's called. But if we beat this thing a million times, we get a free one, and it's shiny in our boxes in Pokemon Home. It'll be great. Okay, I haven't heard anything about it. I already have a shiny one that was a Pokemon Home distribution. Oh, well, I didn't get that one. I don't know how, but I didn't get it. Well, uh, that's that's been it for Pokemon talk. Um, until we get to our main review segment, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, why don't we get into a time-honored traditional segment here on the show called "What's Your Swill?" Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. All right. Well, uh, I got a local beer. It's called a uh, Bull Durham beer. Uh, it is it is pronounced Durham, uh, despite what the North Carolinians will tell you. Uh, don't believe their education system. Uh, it's a Kolsch style ale. It is uh, 5.2 alcohol by volume. Uh, there are no IBUs on the cans. So that means there are no IBUs because that's exactly what that means. Uh, it says the flavor notes are crisp and clean. And it says to er- serve it ice cold. So guess what that means? Tastes like Miller Lite. And, All right, and that's true. It's it tastes like Miller Lite, so that was a waste of eight dollars for a four pack. Fucking yikes! So yeah, uh, what do you have, friend? Uh, I have Modelo. I've drank it several times on the show, um, but this time I have Modelo in a can. Um. Because I found well, a, a 12-pack of Modelo cans at the local Sheets, and I thought that that was a novel idea, so I bought them. That is true. I don't... Uh, I actually would have to pay attention for that, but I... No, no, I remember... No, I, I was at the well, the supermarket today, and they did have Modelo in a can, but no, I never get Modelo in a can. It's always out of a bottle for myself. Yeah. There's something refreshing to me about drinking beer out of a can. It feels like summer. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to go for with this, and I'm like, yeah, it's it, it sure is summer, but I mean, it's also Miller Lite. So what have you done to me, you fucking <laughs> piece of shit? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't think we have any news. Do you have any news? There is like one thing, and it's like Reed Hastings is donating 120 million towards black colleges. Uh, that's not really Netflix news because it's just about the CEO doing a good thing. Uh, I don't think that's something he should be... Well, he probably should be celebrated for it, but of course, uh, the But What Abouts came out as soon as the announcement was made. 
because no one can be happy with how anybody spends their money. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're picking these colleges? Why not these colleges? Why not give to, like, Asian colleges? Why not blah, blah, blah? And it's like, all right, well, then just... use your own fucking money to do it, then? Yeah, well, there's that. And also, like, all right, well, you're just telling him to not do anything next time. Yeah, that's true. That's shitty. Everybody's shitty and everyone sucks. Yeah. So, that's the only real real news story. Everything else was... uh, well, actually, there really was nothing else. Like, I, I visit the uh, our Netflix subreddit, and uh, every fucking week I'm reminded what a shithole it is. Because it literally is just nothing but people bitching about anything. It's bitching. Uh, let's see here. Reed Hastings, so probably some bitching in there. Uh, a Stranger Things paper craft. Uh, Space Force, Netflix's biggest bomb. Not so fast. Yes, it's not their biggest bomb. Uh, there are many other shows that uh, went way over budget. And yeah. uh, had way less viewership. Hi, the get down. Like Sense Eight. Yeah. Well, also the get down. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. 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 So yeah, uh, really, all it is is sensationalist bullshit because no one can really differentiate between. Uh, th- there's no middle ground between amazing and great. It's just, or I'm sorry, amazing and terrible. It's just always like. Amazing or terrible, nothing in between, and that yet here I sit at it's fine most of the time. Praise me, everybody, is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, that'll move us over to Downstream, where we talk about some trailers uh, and how Caleb backed out at uh, a minute 30. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! My life is vastly improved now that I don't watch any trailer past the one minute and 30 second mark. Um, our first d- trailer that I watched a minute and 30 seconds of is called Nobody Knows I'm Here. Uh, it's about a kid who sang and like, I don't know. It was like they had, it was like a Millie Vanilli thing. Like, yeah, he wasn't a good looking kid. So they made somebody go out and like lip sync to him singing. And yeah, it was actually it was, like really famous, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's just, like, a guy, and then, like, he lives in the middle of nowhere and, like, is a recluse, yep. and a girl starts to like him, and then he, like, starts his life, I guess. Yeah. Well, she pushes him to confront the fact that uh, this happened to him and to make something of it. Uh, the The notable thing about this is that this stars Jorge Garcia, a.k.a. Hurley. From Lost. Uh, A.K.A. the guy who inexplicably is in, like, every Happy Madison movie. Um, is he really in anything other than The Wrong Missy? Ridiculous Six. Oh my god, is he? I don't know Look here, the only thing I remember yeah, about was, the movie... He was the guy who grunted and pointed constantly, because he didn't have words. Oh. See, the only thing I remember about that movie is the baseball scene that was inexplicably in the movie for some reason. Other than yeah. to just have John Turturro in it. I, re- I remember Jorge Garcia grunting at stuff. I remember the baseball scene, and I remember uh, the kid from Twilight uh, being hanged, but his neck was too thick, so he was just swinging from the rope while talking. Oh, also Rob Schneider trying to pass as Mexican again, because for some reason they yeah. thought this was the 90s. And 2015 is not the 90s. Now I'm having flashbacks from that movie, and we have to move on to a different topic. <laughs> uh, this movie looks fine. 
Yeah. Uh, I think it's out, uh, what, I think Wednesday. So if you want to watch it, it'll be available then. Uh, it's interesting. I I probably will watch it. But, of course, I say that about most movies that hit Netflix, except for uh, the next one, which is Under the Riccioni Sun. Uh, I think two seasons. Uh, under, under the Christina Ricci Oni Sun. I like it. Uh, this trailer was two minutes and 47 seconds. So what did you think about the first minute 30? Uh, total trash. It's about a bunch of kids partying for the summer. Uh, and falling in love and discovering what they want to do with their futures. Uh, so utter garbage. But you're missing the most important point. It's Italian. I'm not. You're missing that it's Italian. That's a, it's so uh, different than everything cares? else. Yeah. Uh, I also tapped out of this trailer early because I was like, all right, so you're just gonna, you're just gonna waste my time with this. <sighs> but Dan, remember, Killer Mermaid was an Italian movie. Was it? I think so. I think that I think was, it was the set one in that Italy. took place in Italy. It was set there. I, I but all I, I think it was an American production. It felt like yeah, a Happy Madison been. production where it was like, oh, we have all this money. Let's go to Italy and shoot a movie there and just party. And it doesn't fucking matter thought, how it is. See, I remembered it as they were speaking Italian in it, but it, I might have just made it up because they were. Listening to the Europop trash. Yeah, I think was... it was mainly English speaking, but then like for flavor, they had Italian people. Yeah, I still have fucking nightmares about the camera work in that movie. <laughs> That's true. All right, uh, so that brings us to our next trailer, which is uh, which for the the greatest thing you fuck faces have ever seen. Look, so uh... <laughs> it's called Warrior Nun, and I can tell you this. <laughs> If this was a movie, I'd be super into it. Unfortunately, it's a series, and I don't think I'm going to be super into it. But uh, give us your 90-second impression. I think this trailer was like two minutes and 40 seconds or something. I watched a minute and a half of it, and in that time, they introduced about 117 different concepts that somehow are all going to play into this show. Um, Jesus Christ. This looks so bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, it, like I said, I think it would be schlocky, good fun if it was a 90-minute movie. Like, I, I would have some, like, actual fun with this movie. Unfortunately, they're going to try to spread it out over anywhere from 6 to 10 episodes, uh, probably ranging from, from, like, 30 to 45 minutes apiece, and I'm going to get in- incredibly bored by, like, the third episode. So I think this is going to be a big old skip for me. Yeah. Uh, next trailer is for a series called Say I Do. It's about weddings. Um, I didn't watch it past, like, ten seconds. Okay. Because it was too feel-good, and I hate that. Yeah, uh, it feels like it's... I want to be miserable all the time. It feels like it's Queer Eye for weddings, almost, uh, to a degree, which is, like, whatever. But like married eye for the engaged guy. Yes. Uh, but the way I understood it is like they they do an engagement and then like the wedding is like a week later. So these guys are doing like wedding emergency or something like that shit. I don't know. Uh, it's strange. I'm sure people are gonna love it. It's gonna be the hot new show on Netflix that everyone's gonna love, and I'm gonna just stare at it on, on my top ten list and be like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> 
What was the one Ashley watched? Love at First Sight. Yeah. God, that show. But she, I've, she, look, she got really into it. And I did, and that's because it was a fucking tire fire. This doesn't look like a tire fire at all. Like this looks like it's going to be very methodical, very straightforward. No bumps on the road. Everything's going to be fine. Next is a movie called Desperados. Uh, it's a gender swapped road trip. It's the plot of Road Trip. Is it? Look, I've they, never seen Road Trip. Yep. They they have to go to the place to get the thing before the romantic partner sees it and they have a fight about it. Oh, okay. Uh it stars uh, uh some people from SNL, Robbie Amell and Why uh no, not Wyatt Snack. Uh coach from New Girl. Yeah. Uh obviously it's going to be uh, you know, because the the plot is like she's on a date with Coach, and then Coach is like no, and the uh, she runs into Robbie Amell, who's like her total dream guy, and then she sends this awful email to him because he ghosts her for five days, but it turns out he's been in a car accident. So she goes down to Mexico to try to get the phone back before he can read the email, and then she runs into Coach. So obviously she's gonna hook back up with Coach, and they're gonna live happily ever after. Hmm. That is a plot. Anna Camp's in it. I think she's gorgeous, so uh, I might watch it just for Anna Camp. All right, uh, our next trailer is for the documentary Athlete A. This is about the U.S. Gymnastics Association scandal revolving around Larry Nasser and the cover-up to hide all of his sexual abuse. Uh, yeah. Unsurprisingly, a uh, industry that makes... Uh, money off of very young uh, women exploits them sexually. So. Yeah. Uh, I got about a minute and thirty into this trailer as, as well because it's uh, three minutes inexplicably. Like I understand this. Three important. minutes and ten seconds. It's it, like I understand this is an important subject matter, but you don't need to give away everything in the trailer. Like you, you can just let the documentary tell its story for itself. Like. I the the stinger image that I left off on was uh the former president back in 2014 being like so if somebody called you about Larry Nasser uh sexually abusing somebody would you turn it over to the local authorities and he said no and that's all the that's all the trailer needed to leave off on but it kept going after yep. that and I don't understand that I don't either uh that's why I stopped watching at that point yeah uh, I th- to me that was the perfect way to leave off. You like that's like the most shocking thing you could have. So like that gives the tease. Like we're te- Netflix. If you're if you're listening, uh, forward this over to your trailer production company so that way they understand how to tease the balls with trailers because that's how you do it. You you leave them with a horribly shocking thing, and you have them wanting more. Next up is possibly the best trailer we've ever talked about on this segment because it's a minute and thirteen seconds. It's for a series called Cursed. Yes, uh, it stars Catherine Langford, and they make sure you are well aware of that because they put her name in the title of the the YouTube video. So that way you know that the girl from 13 Reasons Why is back on Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. It, it looks neat. It's like a medieval fantasy. It's like a reimagining of Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. except she's the one that gets Excalibur. Yeah, Nimue. And then, uh, then I guess uses it to kill herself and they have to figure out why 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for it. Uh, yeah, this is up there with uh, the Perfection trailer to me, which is uh, also a masterpiece in trailer making. All, all this trailer did was tell its premise, leave off on an, ish- on an interesting cliff note or a cliffhanger, and then got the fuck out. That's it. That's all it had to do. And that, that is that is exactly what a trailer should be. This is how everyone should watch this trailer and understand this is all we need to do. We don't need to explain the whole movie. Just give a little taste, like what's it, what's it going to be entirely about. And all not right. show everything. And last but not least is the trailer for a movie called Lost Bullet. Yeah. Fast cars. Explosion. Gun violence. Techno pop. Watch. <laughs> uh, the the general premise is that a guy is framed for murder, uh, and the only way he can exonerate himself is if he is if he finds a car that has a lost bullet that will uh, place him not at the scene of the crime. So that's what this is: a race against time before he gets uh, apprehended by the authorities for good. Yeah. It looks uh, it looks like very fast paced action movie. Hopefully it's not too fast. Ejecto Cito, cuz. <laughs> Fuck you, Gerald. That's a masterpiece of a movie. In fact, it's a new uh, 10 out of 10 movie. Fuck off. I just listened to you and Ashley talking about Furious 7 today. It made me very happy. Oh, why? Just just the banter? Or... Yeah, just cuz. I, I just really enjoy that series that you're doing. Well, it's coming to I an can't... end. <laughs> I can't wait to hear you talk about Hobbs and Shaw. <sighs> yeah. 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 We'll see how I feel about it. But I, I went to watch that. Uh, spoilers for how I feel about that movie. I went to see it with Corey, and we both walked out of it and went, wow, The Rock is fucking garbage in that movie. He is so bad. <laughs> and I'm sure people were like, what? I fucking loved him. Uh-uh. He, 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 it's just so bad. Also, that movie ends like four times. Yeah, and then uh, Idris Elba did his rap. Look, and then uh, look, that was the least offensive part of that movie. And then he shit on Marvel movies because he's a serious actor. I mean, and then he uh, yeah did Cats. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, the irony of him making that statement was not lost on me after I watched Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Idris Elba. Anyone ever tell you? You mess with swords, you get shot in the face. Sure, I dress a little flamboyantly. <laughs> I I wave a couple swords around. I, w- I wave a cattail around, but <laughs> I've never killed anybody. You're right. I'll spare your life. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is stupid. This is a bad bit. Uh, let's go and do quick hits. <laughs> Uh, Dan, what the fuck are you doing with your life? I, what is this? Oh, I'm watching Arrested Development. Only the first three seasons. I just threw it on. Okay, thank God. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, no, we're, we're stopping whenever it's the natural stopping point of Lucille going to prison. Uh, we're rewatching it. It's excellent. Like the, the first two seasons of the show have been excellent. Lucille. Yeah. Uh, I love like you rewatching it again and knowing things that happen, like, uh, there, there's a couple lines where Buster gets his hand chair back. He's like, man, I could never see myself without a big hand. And you're like, oh, yikes. 
<laughs> because like episodes later, he he loses his hand to the seal, and he's like, "These are my awards from Army, right, yeah. Bubby? We're talking about Buster's awards from Army. This one's for marksmanship. <laughs> this one's for marksmanship, Bubby. She's laughing now. She understands." <laughs> Yes, we know. That's we're we're making reference to the stuff seal and the big yeah. hand chair in his room, which is his, which is yeah, the left. I hand. could I could hear her laugh. Either that, or you have a horse into your apartment. <laughs> no, that's just Charles Benson. He rolled up in here as soon as I finished Once Upon a Time in the West. And then we're gonna stop. Just keep giving us Charles Bronson movies, guys. That's all you need to do. Just just keep feeding us Charles Bronson movies. I would love to just keep keep doing a Charles Bronson voice. And also <laughs> make Ashley have to watch Charles Bronson movies at some point. She fucking hates that guy. As an actor. Alright. Well, uh, I want to tell you about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. Okay. Um This is the very good anime show uh about People with their magical fighting ghosts. Uh, so I talked about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on here before. Uh, the first two seasons, they used um, a power called Hamon, which is like you generate like your... It's like chi, basically. Like you uh, like channel the power of your breath and use it to destroy vampires because it, it's like the same kind of energy as sunlight. And it's like over-the-top Dragon Ball Z-type but it's all like they fucking constantly reference uh classic rock and stuff cuz i guess the guy that created it was obsessed with classic rock uh so there's characters named uh well like dio is the main villain mm-hmm. uh so in stardust crusaders which is the third season of this show uh dio is back and for some reason um well, not for some reason. It's because he took over uh, the body of the protagonist from the first season. Uh, after killing him with his eye lasers, uh, he he decapitates him and puts his severed head onto the guy's body. So then his descendants, like, it, it affects them since he's, like, controlling this dude's body. Uh-huh. Uh, so they all manifest a new uh, sort of power called a stand which is like a, a ghost that comes out of your body and your stands fight each other. And uh, if your stand is injured, uh, it you get the same injury on your body. I don't know why they don't just use their stands to attack each other directly. Because it seems more Well, because effective, they but... have monsters in the way. Monsters in defense position. Yeah. That's a Yu-Gi-Oh reference, everybody. It's like thematically linked to like the tarot. It's like all of their stands are named after tarot cards. Uh, so like the main character, Jotaro, um, he's a typical uh, Japanese high schooler, uh, which means that he's seven feet tall and 300 pounds of solid muscle. I mean, of course. Come um, on. What, what kind of high schooler isn't like that? <laughs> but uh, his tarot card is the star. So his stand is star platinum. Uh, which has the power of incredible and precise reflexes and strength and speed. Um, so he just like punches a bunch of stuff. Um, and then like the other people on his team, uh, there's a guy whose card is the Hierophant. So he has Hierophant Green. It's like a tarot card and a Keller. So there's Hierophant Green, Magician's Red, Hermit Purple. 
And uh, Silver Chariot is the other one that's on their team. Hmm. Uh, and they go and fight, like, basically, uh, like, the impetus for the plot is that Jotaro's mother, who is the daughter of the protagonist from the second season of the show, uh, who also is in the show as an old man now, um, and also on the adventure, uh, like, she also manifested a stand, but since she's not, like, a fighter, she doesn't possess, like, the fighting spirit, she can't control it, so, like, her own stand is killing her, basically, so they have to track down Dio and kill him to stop what he's doing that caused them to all get stands, right, so that they can save her life, um, so they find out that he's in Egypt and like they go to fly to Egypt, but then they're attacked by a stand user. So they have to take like the most ridiculous fucking path to get to Egypt where like they go through India and Pakistan into fucking Iraq and then like cross the Red Sea in a fucking submarine and uh, like it, it takes fucking forever for them to get to Egypt on what would have been like a six hour flight. Uh, so I feel like I've been watching this show for forever uh-huh. and I just made it to where they actually get to Egypt, which is like 26 episodes in. What the fuck? Um, so they're started like season three, which is called Stardust Crusaders is split into two arcs. So there's the arc of them getting to Egypt, which I have completed, and now I have to watch the entire arc where they're in Egypt trying to find Dio and kill him. Um the show's very good. Uh it's it's amazing. It's hilarious and like um it's just fucking way over the top, which you know I'm into. So Yes. Uh highly recommend. A lot of people skip the first two seasons apparently and just start watching with Stardust Crusaders because like this is like that's where a lot of the memes come from but like watch the whole show I don't know I I I dig anime a lot and like I've I've spent a lot of time on this show talking about anime and uh this has become one of my favorite anime shows it's very good okay well Speaking of anime, uh, it's time to cut into a quick break, and when we come back from that, we're going to talk about Pokemon Journeys, a Netflix original anime series that they somehow got a Pokemon stinger for. Uh, it's it's not it's not a Netflix original anime series. Don't let the don't don't believe but Andor's it's, lies. Pikachu said it is, Dan. I I know. I we'll talk about that when we get to it. But uh, stay tuned for that review, uh, if you dare. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. 
Welcome back. Dan, it's time to get into our main topic of the week. And since we're both giant man-children, we're talking about Pokemon Journeys. Yep, sure are. Uh, unfortunately, we were supposed to be joined by Maddie from uh, Movie Marathoners. Unfortunately, uh, some scheduling conflicts happened, so we will get him back on for a future episode. Uh, I know he's looking forward to this, though, because Pokemon is the best, everybody. Yeah, unfortunately, he couldn't join us, but uh, here we are, I guess, uh, talking about the Pokemon Journeys. Yep. Which is, I suppose, the 23rd season of the Pokemon anime, uh, which for some reason is on Netflix now. Yeah, uh, I guess they feel like they can get a lot of bang for their buck out of a relatively successful children's cartoon. Yeah, I think this was like number eight or nine in the U.S. while I was watching it, so. Yeah. I guess first I'll kind of introduce and set up the show a bit. Uh, this is a show about bright colors and shapes and, uh, things yelling their names and explaining what they're doing. Uh, purchase product. Um, this finally gives us Pikachu's backstory, which we were all waiting for. Yep. Uh, whenever Ash is six years old, uh, and, you know, it shows him being late to the Professor Oak thing twice. Uh, which also happened in the first fucking episode of the show. Yep. Uh, that's the other thing is like that. I guess this is a soft reboot, but it also just kind of jump jumps around because like they already know about Team Rocket. Yeah. This this also is uh, the Pokemon Go anime tie-in with the new character Go. Wow, how inauspicious. Uh, there's also a little bit of like. The Galar region thrown in, especially later in the season, where you get like, oh, they're learning about Dynamax and like Gigantamax, and oh, look, Galar region type type Pokemon. Look at them. So, uh, I guess they've abandoned trying to tie it directly into the games, and it's just like, hey, look at Pokemon as a whole franchise, and we're gonna tell you about uh. The Sinnoh region from the Diamond and Pearl games, and then this week we're going to go to Johto and meet a fucking uh, Lugia and yep. um, make uh, furry hentai about it. Yep. <laughs> it's called hentai and it's art. All right, now, I understand this is a children's show. However, I, th- that will not make me forgive it for some uh, narrative problems that I have with this, uh, mainly because Avatar The Last Airbender is also a children's show and has uh, far less narrative issues than this show does. Well, that's that's what I was saying. It's, it's colors and shapes and uh, poo-poo, gaga, bing-bong, the show. Eh, I'm not willing to go that far. I, th- I think there, I think there is some legitimately good stuff in this in the show. It, it's colors and shapes and phonemes and um, very simple plot lines. I mean, sure, uh, but it's it's not terrible, but there, there's interesting things. It is the least kitty of the Pokemon's that I've watched recently. Uh, I've tried almost all of them, and all of them, almost all of them, felt ridiculously kitty uh, to an over-the-top degree. Yeah, because I guess the the Sun and Moon anime, like, they went, like, super young audience on that one. Um, I can't believe uh, Cartoon Network didn't want to keep the rights to that then. 
What is your, yeah. or, or maybe it was Disney at that point. I don't know. But I guess um, I like that they stuck with that art style. Yeah. For this, you know, but. Yeah, the art style grew on me. Uh, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, this looks awful. But now I'm like, eh, you know, I mean, it's still too, it's still like not the CGI two like 3D looking garbage that they pulled for Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was weird. So we we say this is a soft reboot. However, uh, they kind of do this with every season where they soft reboot it to where Ash only has uh, Pikachu at the beginning of every season, which is fine. That's what they do. I understand. That said, uh, we're coming off the tales of the Alola series where Ash won their Pokemon League straight up. He's a Pokemon champion. Uh, but mm-hmm. you would never know it based off of this show because it constantly treats him like he's a fucking idiot. Well, like I said, this is total total reboot. This begins with like him getting his first Pokemon, uh, and like by the time he like he doesn't even start catching Pokemon. Like he enters a fucking Pokemon battle tournament. And he uses his mom's fucking Mr. Mime, yep. which I still am convinced that Mr. Mime is his stepdad. <laughs> uh, maybe it's possible, but also like Mr. Mime carrying over like that. That was a whole episode arc. That was a thing like, oh, uh, it, it was an impo- like it was an important thing that his mom got a, a housekeeping Mr. Mime. Like that, that was, uh, you know, like. It's a soft reboot in in terms of like yes they they did every the thing they do every time they start a new series in that mm-hmm. they just brought him back to zero Pikachu was a po- a Pokemon that he brought along, uh but like there's still a lot of carryover like they still talked about how he saw Ho that one time you know like if we're going yeah. to remember all of these other things please bring up the fact that he is a multiple-time champion, not even just Alola. He also won the Orange League, the Battle Frontier. Like, he goes to the Battle Frontier in the Hoenn episode, and nobody fucking recognizes him, despite the fact that he won the Battle Frontier. Well, I think... uh, I think what they're going for in this is, like, the same thing that they basically did with the games, where, like, literally each save file in the game is a parallel universe and like they they literally confirmed that in the game and that was like their in-game explanation for like why these games have mega evolutions but the the old versions that these are remakes of didn't Mm -hmm. and all that shit so i don't know string theory it's a kid's show so uh, I I don't know I didn't mind the the whole Pikachu backstory I didn't like I was like ah oh, this it is was fine. cute yeah, this is fine I mean yeah. we didn't get too much Ash in the first episode the first episode was setting up the Pikachu backstory and also setting up like the character of Go and why he is the way that he is which like I understand makes p- total sense I'm I'm down with it yeah I'm uh I'm indifferent to Go's existence. They needed a sidekick character. Yeah, they needed a sidekick. And, uh, and Misty and Brock were uh, otherwise engaged. Yeah, doing other things. Uh, I will say they have Go's motivation changed like nine times uh, during this, this like the first four episodes. Like he's like, all right, I want to be a Pokemon guy. He's like, I want to catch Mew first. And then he's like, I'm going to catch all the Pokemon. 
It's like, all right, pick one, bro. Like, come on, figure it out. Figure Dan, out what you want to do at 10. The future is in the palm of his hand. I mean, it's, it's better than Naruto saying believe it all the time. <laughs> all right, so we get our first uh, glimpses of Galar, the Galar region. Uh, and they did say multiple times that it is based off of England and uh, like the greater England and all that stuff. I wish they would have leaned more into that. I mean, and, like, obviously the aesthetic itself and, like, what they eat and all that kind of stuff totally makes sense. However, all of the voice actors are speaking in an American accent, and I'm just, like, just fucking talking a, a terrible Cockney accent. Like, go Dick Van Dyke on this. No one cares. I mean, I guess. I don't know what else to talk about. Uh, I have a couple things that I want to bring up. So, uh, normally when we get anime... Uh, the subtitles don't match the dub, uh, mainly because they're just going off of like the original Japanese script, which is fine. Uh, however, for this, it matched perfectly. So I don't know if Netflix swung something in order to like redo the like get the subtitles done specifically for their dub. Which, but I appreciated it. I was uh, very happy that they did that. Either that, or they got like a very good localization team, because normally. Uh, when I see that, it's kind of distracting being like, oh, this is what they meant, but this is what they said. Like uh, I, like with Parasite. Parasite, they, it would do that where it's like they say something completely different than what's actually written on, on the page. And it's like it's fine. It's just strange and distracting. Hmm. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about, the theme. It's actually a fucking banger. Yeah, pretty good. Although, they mostly have good themes for, for Pokemon. I'll, I mean, I I haven't seen too much recently, but, like, the original theme, there was the Pokemon Johto Champions theme. It was really good. Uh, who's that Pokemon made a return? Uh, the stupid thing is that it's always a Pokemon they just first featured in this episode, in the episode they're talking about, so it's like, who's that Pokemon? It's like, well, you just showed them three seconds ago, so I wonder who it is. I mean, they did that. In every season of the show ever. I, f- I remember the first, the Indigo League seasons being, uh, you know, they, they'd they be like, who's that Pokemon? And it's like, okay, it could be like any of it's like Jigglypuff seen from above. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's totally Voltorb. No, it's Electrode. No, oh, Jigglypuff. What a, what a concept. Yeah. Yeah. Who's that Pokemon? It's Pikachu. It's Clefairy. Fuck. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Who, who's that Pokemon was bad? I thought I thought it was just bad. I was like, I understand you got to break up things to go on a commercial break, but Jesus fucking Christ. Well, actually, there's no commercial break yeah. here. I don't know why they did it. Well, <laughs> I think I think it was just a carryover from Japan, and it's like, mm-hmm. but they didn't do the poker rap. I don't know. I, I feel like people were gonna be upset if they didn't have who's that Pokemon. So they just went, eh, fuck it. It's poker. Who's that Pokemon? Oh, fuck it. Put a magnifying glass over a part of a Pokemon in there. Yeah. Oh, look, Let it's the a Charizard wing. Which Pokemon it is. Look at the Pichu cha- tail thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, Pokemon Journeys. Caleb, what would you... Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on what are you going to give Pokemon Journeys? Um, It's not for me. Uh, the Pokemon anime is a commercial to sell products to children and I've already purchased their video games. Okay. Uh, I thought it was fine. Throw like fun, throwaway garbage. Like 
All it made me want to do is play Pokemon. So I just picked up my Switch and started playing Pokemon while while sort of watching it. Uh, so uh, it did its job. If if that's all it's to do, uh, I don't know. I had fun. Like there were there were some fun moments. Like uh, especially when Go first throws a Pokeball and it, it like it hits the Pokemon and says nice and like oh that's from Pokemon Go. That's funny. I actually mm-hmm. laughed out loud for that. Do you get it? Do you get the product that they're trying to sell you? Oh, I do. I don't. I mean, I don't care. All children's shows are trying to sell products. But if I mean, if That's I true. if I if if I dock them all points for trying to do that, then all of them would be considered unwatchable by me, and that's not that's just not true. What if I told you that all media is to try to get money from people? I wouldn't care. It's fine. It it entertains <laughs> me. Therefore, it's worth my money. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, they're doing this as a business. That's. Mm. I have no problem with this. It, it, it like, I, I, like, whatever. You know, I, I'm sure. Like, as a Pokemon fan, I'm into this more than I should be, uh, because I am a 30 year old man. But I am a Pokemon fan, and I'm into it as much as I should be because I am a Pokemon fan. What would you rate it? Uh, I'm actually surprisingly, I'm going to give this a three and a half. I think I think it's pretty good. Jesus. Uh, two and half. Jeez, I'm not the target. I'm not the target audience for well, this. Well, sure, but neither am I. It's but, fine. It's whatever. Yeah. <sighs> okay. They uh, they can make more of this show, or they cannot. I I don't really care. Yeah. Well, that's true. I don't know. I feel like the the games sell themselves at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, we're gonna cut into another break here. And when we come back from that, we're going to talk about our a patron-requested review for uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Hey, friends and potential lovers. Have you ever felt so passionately after watching a TV show or a movie but not have a pal to share it with? Allow us the honor of keeping you company with our weekly podcast for your reference with your hosts, KT and OT. Each episode, we break down our hot takes that you'll either ardently agree or vehemently disagree with, like subs versus dubs. How important is a cohesive narrative? What's with the popularity of the relatable villain? Is it possible to be truly objective in spite of your own experiences? And most importantly, are you getting a clue and which direction is it pointing? Come on now, it's pointing towards for your reference. That's a great reference. If you've got a little room in your rotation for some salacious frivolity, check out for your reference wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about our patron review for the week. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is a... uh, What fucking year? 1968 uh, Spaghetti Western starring Charles Brenton and Henry Fonda. Get it right, Henry Fondle. Henry Fondle. Uh, this is directed by Sergio Leone and uh, written by Sergio Leone and Sergio Donati. Um, His alter ego. Yeah. 
This is a, an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Jesus Christ. Um, I, uh, I'm fascinated with the existence of spaghetti westerns. Because oh, apparently yeah. just at, in like the mid to late 60s, uh, Italian culture was obsessed with westerns and like the concept of westerns. So like every Italian director started making their own westerns. Yeah, and they just kind of flooded the market with these cowboy movies. Well, uh, it, and a lot of them were really good for what they were for the time. Sure, uh, I mean uh, thematically, it works with uh, what Quentin Tarantino was doing with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where uh, Leo DiCaprio's character goes to film a spaghetti western uh, in like the twilight of his career because he needs to do things. Yeah. Um. Oh, this movie is also kind of interesting because, like, uh, Henry Fonda is the villain of the film, uh, which, like, he he was kind of like a a goody goody type. Like, he was cast like completely against type for this. Yeah, as just like this cold blooded killer who just doesn't give a good goddamn. Yeah, uh, and Charles Bronson is the the nameless drifter. Uh, who's the only person who can, who can take him down? This is the second Henry Fonda movie I've ever seen. Uh, the first being Twelve Angry Men, uh, where he plays the goody goody guy, although yeah. in a completely different style of movie. Uh, this also features a score by Ennio Morricone, uh, who wrote the score for John Carpenter's The Thing, which John Carpenter was like. That's great, but I wanted something more like Halloween because uh, I wrote the score for that. So let me just uh, put your score on the shelf and write my own shit for this movie. Uh, so they eventually reused the the unused parts of the score from the thing for uh, fucking Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. uh, which we were talking about during our break is like, how it's the same fucking movie, except uh, Hateful Eight doesn't have shape-shifting alien monsters. Yeah, although I mean, that's the way that's the way you can prove that movie is shape-shifting monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we of course have yet to talk about Once Upon a Time in the West. So, Caleb, I will ask you first: What did you think of Once Upon a Time in the West? Uh so I had to work today. I I didn't have time to completely finish it. So I've, I'm about halfway through it. Um, but I'm fairly engaged in it, honestly. Like I think uh, I think this is good. I think it's a good movie. Uh, it's it's of its time. Um, there's there's a lot of uh like film techniques that are no longer in vogue. Sure. Or or that like we've. We've evolved past, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I think that this is a classic for a reason. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna come in like way more lukewarm on this because like it has two things working against it for me. One, it's two hours and forty six minutes. That's yes. that's its first strike. Is that it is it is so long, uh, and I don't feel like it was earned. And now I did finish the whole thing. So I I can say that it does like at the end of it it does not feel earned with everything how it's structured and leaving it where it does like le- the ending is fine but like how everything is structured in between the beginning and the ending doesn't doesn't 
all, all entirely work for me. Uh, and Strike Two is that this is a movie made in 1968, which like anything before 1980 is very hit and miss with me. Like mm-hmm. most classic movies from that that era before 1980. Uh, you're getting into this gray area where it's like, I understand some of its time, but I'm also watching it today and I can't enjoy some of the things that they're doing. Um, I almost wonder, like a lot of films from this period were fairly long. And I wonder if that's just kind of, uh, I think like at this time, I think like going to the movie theaters was still like a big deal. Like, right, people get dressed up and yeah, take it's their an families, event. and yeah, it it would be like going to see the opera or something. Uh, so like I I feel like they expected the same level of spectacle that like it would take a long ass time, and like maybe even have an intermission. Mm. Oh, there was definitely know? intermission at some point with this movie. It feels like it definitely yeah. feels like that. Um. So I don't know. I think that's just uh, a function of the time. Like, that's definitely something I've noticed going back and and seeing a lot of uh, older films. Sure. But then, uh, like, it kind of goes in waves. Like, in the 40s and 50s, a lot of stuff was like, there was, like, a lot of sci-fi trash pulp, like, them. (laughs) Right. Um, Or, you know, where, like, they would be you know, an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes or whatever. Right. You know, get in, get your popcorn, fucking smooch your girl at the drive-in. Leave. And get the fuck out. And, uh, but then like in the, the 60s, 70s, they had like uh, fucking long ass movies. And then in the 80s, we were all on cocaine and like our attention spans weren't there. So everything was real short. And like now it's kind of trending more towards like, uh, there's these big, spectacle movies where it fucking takes 18 hours to watch it yeah um and the in the hobbits don't even make it to fucking isengard at the end (laughs) right i mean and then your dad complains and then my dad complains happy father's (laughs) day to my dad by the way uh but like yeah yeah that you're right like it does seem to ebb and flow uh and typically the movies that I gravitate towards from that time period are shorter movies, like Strangers on a Train, probably one of my favorite like 40s, 50s movies, it is 90 minutes. Uh, and it doesn't spend too much time on like anything philosophical or any like it doesn't try to develop these characters that don't need developed. It just goes, these are the characters, these are their situations, this is what happens. All right, and play out. And it plays out in 90 minutes and it moves on. This movie, I felt like it could be probably trimmed down to like two hours, 15 minutes. But there's a lot of lingering and a lot of a lot of unnecessary scenes to me. Uh, and, and to me, I think it earns its 15-minute longer runtime more than The Dirty Dozen did, uh, which we also watched, yeah. which is from this same time period and also stars, stars Charles Bronson. Uh, I think that movie is a giant colossal waste of time. Well, where this <laughs> is not a colossal waste of time, but it takes a lot of time to get where it wants to go, and I feel like it wastes my time to do that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting not to keep going back to this well, but like to see what filmmakers from different eras prioritize, because like this very much feels like it's intentionally showing you the in-between stuff that like 
most modern films would just cut out. Right. Like, there's just scenes of people waiting. Yeah. Well, that's the opening credits. It's just uh, yeah. scenes of guys waiting. Which, uh, I, I loved that opening scene, frankly. Like, I thought that was very good and very effective to introduce Bronson's character. But uh, in in making you wait with the people waiting, like, it, it makes you feel a bit bored, but it also makes you feel, like the tension of like just waiting for the showdown, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I, and, and you're probably right. It probably is intentional because like outside of, you know, the bank robberies and like the showdowns in the saloon, like this kind of romanticized version of the West we have, there's probably a lot of boring moments where nothing happens. You're just kind of sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. And that's what these guys are doing. doing nothing. This was the era before radio. So yeah. they just had to sit around and wait for a guy to ride up on a horse and hand them a letter so they would know what the fuck was happening in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's why whiskey was such a big business. Oh, 100%. Uh, I do want to pro, pro, uh, I do want to praise one thing about the movie. I think the cinematography is gorgeous. I like whoever the cinematographer yeah. was and it looks like a very Italian name, so uh, I, I assume he worked with Sergio Leone a lot. You can tell I did my research for this, but uh, I love the way this movie is shot for the most part. There are still some puzzling, like, ah, we're in the 60s and these are th- these are shots that people made uh, for some reason. But I, I, I chose to ignore those for the most part and just went, wow, some of these, like, if you did these shots today, they would be stunning. So yes, let's let's not let the cinematography be lost here. Like, I, I feel like whoever the cinematographer was probably could be a cinematographer today with more modern techniques and almost like, I feel like, and I'll say based off of nothing, it feels like he's very influential with how people shoot movies today. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I was getting at is like, this is a, a stage in the evolution of the artistry of filmmaking. Um, like it's, it's a product of its time. It's, it's unrefined by modern standards, but that's because like we're in the process of refining how we made film. Sure, uh, but also you look at movies that take uh, an hour and a half too long to even develop what they're doing. Hi, Last Days of American Crime, uh, mm-hmm. a, mo- a movie that is also a colossal waste of time, but uh, has no redeeming factors to it, whereas well, like this movie has a lot of redeeming factors to it. You you can use good tools to make terrible work. Well, that's uh, true. Your the the artistry of the you know the the craftsmanship of it still has a lot to do with it. Which is you know the the other side of that is like there are certain films that are just timeless and yeah like will always be good. Uh, now I do want to point out again, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode. Uh, but I had a splitting headache basically all day. I finally took some Tylenol maybe an hour and a half ago, uh, and it went away. But I I had the splitting headache while watching the movie, so I admittedly was probably not in the correct frame of mind to be watching it because uh, I was in so much pain and trying to figure out why I was in so much pain without taking Should medication. more water. Uh, definitely was not more water. <laughs> I could not have drank more water than I did. And, uh... Yeah. Not with that attitude. 
Uh, nope, de- nope, nope. Definitely with that attitude, I could not have drank more water. So, uh, admittedly, I am probably off base on this a bit, uh, but I do recognize a lot of good elements. I, I just feel like there's a lot of stretched out moments in between, uh, especially like <sighs> Charles Bronson's harmonica. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 he played one, he could play one song and one song only. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, but also like, it was just, it, am, at some point it started like great on me and I'm like, oh my fucking God, just learn a different song, bud. I feel like they didn't really leave a whole lot on the editing room floor. Like, I feel like they just kind of shot it. Uh, Sergio Leone was like, all right, this is, this is a good take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and use the entire scene, uh, with no cuts. Yeah. I feel like this is the director's cut. Uh, yeah. And it was also the theatrical cut. But, yeah, I don't know. Different times and different sensibilities, so. Yeah. Plus, it's Italian! You can't, you can't go wrong with Italian movies. Uh, I will say, well, I like uh, Morricone's score. Uh, it is inappropriate in a couple of areas. Uh, one, especially during a rape scene. Now it is it is not yikes. It is not a rape scene in the traditional sense that you would think about a rape scene. Uh but it I'm going to call it a more modern type of rape scene because it's not forceful. It's like but it's very implied that that's what's going on. Like it's like a coercion into rape scene. And yeah, like one of those things where like you you better do this if you know what's good for you. Yes, like so in in that in that time, like it's it's okay. It is less gross because there's no like actual violence to it, like you would see in uh, Death Wish Three, for instance, where it's like they comically rip open Marina Sirtis's uh, blouse and rape her on a dirty mattress. No, this is very much like yeah, uh, blackmailing. Like hey. You do this for me, and I'll let you do whatever you want after this. All right. Um, I'm going to refrain from rating this until I've had a chance to watch the rest of the film. Hundy P. Uh, so what are your final thoughts on Once Upon a Time in the West? All right. So uh, I basically said all I needed to say. I This is a less so of a time capsule of a movie uh there is some genuinely good stuff with this movie uh, and i'm not going to say there's not i think henry fonda is great i think the cinematography is great henry fondle is great uh cinematography is great score is good although misused in some places and um i don't know charles bronson doesn't give a lot here uh and he's obviously not a particularly strong actor but I I don't see a lot of emotion from his character. It's just kind of like one note Charles Bronson this. So I'm not sure if he's the guy that you want to be running your film. But uh, I guess like he he wanted work and wanted to work with Leone. So uh, this is what it came to. I did see originally that Clint Eastwood was supposed to play the Bronson role, but mm-hmm. he turned it down. So that's why Bronson has the role. Uh, which this that would have been a fascinating movie to watch. Is uh. Henry Fonda uh, uh, up against Clint Eastwood. And I think Clint Eastwood nails like the very gruff monotoneness. Uh, I think Bronson, you know, I, I ape on his voice. I think he just sounds a little too weird for this kind of a movie. But so uh, all of my caveats inserted here. 
Uh, I'm giving this a three stars. I do want to revisit this at some point when I don't have a splitting headache, and maybe I will like it better. But uh, as of now, when I heard 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb, I just went, wait, what? Yeah, it would have been it would have been interesting to see Clint Eastwood in this role. Um, but I don't know. He had a. I guess he had already been in his fucking three-hour Sergio Leone film in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly as yeah. uh, the nameless drifter hero. So, Which uh, Sergio Leone must love because he just has a guy na- by the name of Harmonica. That's all he's known as is Harmonica throughout the entire movie. Yeah, I don't know. I do like the... Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, I guess Mad Max would be like our current incarnation of that like it doesn't matter who the fuck max is and that's why like his character is super underdeveloped in all of the movies because he's just like the lens that we see that world through right so like yes the the character does have a name but like it doesn't it doesn't matter what your name is yeah it does not matter he's just he's just kind of the audience surrogate i guess most of the time yeah yeah so uh what well, like i said one day i will return to that movie and maybe i will like it better but uh as for now it's fine all right well uh next week we're going to review eurovision song contest the story of fire saga and sure on the are. back of that we're gonna have a patron review for the untouchables yep uh i can't wait as of now, it looks like that's on Hulu, although it, may, it might potentially be a star subscription situation, which sucks. Uh, and but, also, I've I've seen it so many times that I can probably just replay it in my mind's eye. Oh, see, I've never seen it, so yeah. uh, I I, uh, I, I grew up it. without cable uh, in the country with a stack of VHS tapes, and that was a popular one for me and my sister. Oh man, you didn't have like things or anything Neil Breen's done. Uh, unfortunately, no. Dang. Um, I I didn't discover uh, B Cinema until I was already uh, post college, probably. Yeah. That's... Because like when I was in college and uh, starting to learn about film a bit, I didn't want to watch bad movies because I didn't get it. Right. I think that's how it always starts. It's like when you first when you're first getting into it, you're like, I just want to watch good stuff. And then you yeah. finally watch a B movie that clicks with you and you're like, Oh, I understand now. Yeah. I uh I was like Jesse Eisenberg from The Squid and the Whale. Yeah. 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 It's Kafka esque. Well yeah, it was written by Kafka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that's need, coming to I us. I need to see The Art of Self-Defense. Is that on HBO? That is on Hulu. Is it? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I know what I'm doing this week. There you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, that comes from Paul, uh, which is why whenever he just is like, hey, watch this thing. And we're like, all right, what streaming service is this on? Because it's probably not on Netflix. Because yeah. as Paul and I discovered uh, one day, trying to find movies that were both on American Netflix and Australian Netflix, uh, you're basically limited to a Netflix originals or uh, a very lucky movie where yeah. it's it's on both. All right, uh, tell them stuff, Dan. You can find us at NetflixAndSubble.com. That's the best way to find us. It has links to our social medias. Uh, but if you want to just go to do that, uh, we're at Netflix and Swill everywhere. And, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, also, 
even though he wasn't on the episode, I want to promote Matty uh, at Movie Marathoners. I'll have the link to his show in the show notes. You should listen to it. It's a great show. Uh, we love you, Matty. And uh, that's it. Do all of those things. Uh, also, Rabbit Ears was out uh, last Friday. Yeah, Friday, uh, where she talked with Wayne from the Countdown about 30 Rock. Uh, it's Wayne from the Countdown on another podcast without Paul. It's the only yeah, reason you should amazing. listen to it. Also listen to Gerald's show where he did something with Wayne who cares about Tom Cruise, yeah. who gives a shit. I like how uh, Wayne calls him Tom Tom Crew Crew or what the fuck ever. T to the C. Which is, yeah. But like his his nickname for him is like way longer than just his two syllable actual name. Yeah, well, that's that's well, that's like Randy's nickname for me is Dan Dan the Mattress Man. When you can just call me Dan, it's real easy. <laughs> uh, that's the whole show. Uh, thank you for listening to it. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.